You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. and Dave and this is going to be a little bit unusual we're not going to do a full podcast and you're probably glad about that unless you're driving from Philadelphia to Brooklyn for work (laughs) Um, you're going to have to get the second installment of this podcast later on in the week probably Thursday something like that so degenerates uh, wanted you to be aware of this Um, you can call your man and tell him that's going to be a little while Uh, Chris and Dave will not be setting the lines until probably Thursday. Look for it then. But we do have a game to talk about. Packers with an improbable, maybe is the best word for it, uh, Thanksgiving Day victory uh, over the Lions in Detroit in front of just 66,000 people, which, you know, I mean, for a team that came into the game eight and two, you would have thought they would have had more people in there than that. But (laughs) at any event, uh, Packers win by a touchdown in a game that really didn't feel as close as the score indicated, 29-22 final score, as the Packers moved to 5-6. and six. Now, Dave, as a result of this game and the subsequent uh, media and fan response to this victory, I've got a case of whiplash, okay? <laughs> because. So Games one through three, Jordan Love was, well, hey, maybe we got to think about giving this guy a contract extension. Games four through seven, this guy's a bum. What the hell? They're going to have to lose and get themselves a quarterback in the draft. The last three games in which they've gone three and one, now it's like, well, Jordan Love's arrived. He's the man. They found their quarterback. I'm, I've seen these grand pronouncements out there, and I don't know. I kind of think this is following an arc that we expected. You know, the Packers were going to be up and down this season. They're right now they're kind of on an up arc and everyone's overreacting. It feels like that they want, you know, to proclaim this guy, the heir apparent to the throne of, you know, star far Rogers. And before that, he was, you know, going to be kind of the, I don't know, Scott Hunter of the of you know the Packers, you know, before the Brett Hundley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just kind of a kind of a cipher. So what is it, Dave? I mean, is is this the Jordan Love that was 125.5 passer rating? Or is this the Jordan Love that we saw for that four game stretch in which a guy had a passer rating in the fifties? I mean, what do you think here? You're not gonna get me to make a wild hot take here because you're <laughs> I I'm the same as you are. Yeah. I mean, I felt pretty confident that he was not the guy not that long ago. 
Um, cause there, there was just a lot of things he wasn't doing well. He wasn't throwing sort of short passes. Well, he couldn't throw the deep ball very well. Um, you know, decision-making seemed to be a problem. I felt like, you know, all the receivers are dropping his throws. And so it must be something with him. And then, I mean, Chris, this game, if last two weeks have been completely unexpected, I saw we were going to play the chargers, the lions, and then Kansas city. And I thought that is oh and three for sure. And that would have made us what uh three and what would have been three nine. and nine or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and then it's like, yeah, we have some now some cupcake teams to play next, but who cares at that point? We're three and nine. But then we we well, we beat the Chargers with in a way that they sort of gave us the game in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a, you certainly could say that it wasn't the Packers play that flawless game or really deserved that victory. I mean, there was a lot that San Diego did that helped out enormously. Um, so, you know, maybe they beat a decent team. I don't know what the Chargers are doing tonight, but looks like they're maybe losing again. And they're a troubled team. But uh, not only is Detroit, I think, a good team, they're motivated to play us. It's in their home field. It's Thanksgiving, which they normally play well. And honestly, Chris, I didn't think that Detroit came, like I'm sure their fans are saying we came out flat. And you know that would be the narrative if you're on that side of the of the of the field. But uh, I thought they actually played pretty well. We just played better, and I don't understand it. How did how, where did this come from? Um, it wasn't just Jordan Love. It was the defense. It was you know AJ Dillon. It was you know the coaching calls that they made. Um, it it almost makes me. I mean, I was thrilled because it was a really wonderful Thanksgiving to have that early, to enjoy it. It was enough of a lead where I wasn't like sick to my stomach, you know, for three fourths of the game. (laughs) I got a little tense at the end Um, because I said to my family, they're going to lose. I don't care what the score is. They're going to lose. I'm not going to get into this game. And slowly, but slowly, I started to feel like, oh, if they lose this game, I am going to get upset now. Um, and they didn't, they, they won and, uh, and it was great. So I just, I don't know where this came from. I'm so surprised. I suppose you could say, well, that's what you should expect because these are young players. They're unpredictable. And when they're good, they're gonna be really good. And when they're bad, they're gonna be really bad. And I, I would say, well, that makes all the sense of the world to me. I just didn't think they had it in them. The, you know, two or three weeks removed from really bad games against the Raiders and, you know, Pittsburgh, I, I did not see this. So Chris, I, what do you, how, explain it to me. <laughs> you mean like you're a four-year-old? I mean, that's yeah, typically, please, yeah. that's typically how I have to speak with you usually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, right. uh, you know, I, what is more perplexing to me is that they did this with so many injuries. I mean, they, I they, know. Were, with, uh, they were without, you know, a, a lot of their, you know, premier or preferred players you know, yet they stepped up and they played very well. I mean, it. now we could write this one off. I think a lot of us will remember, uh, who those of us who are old enough at least, um, in 1997, uh, the year after the Packers won the Super Bowl, uh, they went into Indianapolis. I think the Colts were, were they 0-11 or 1-10? It was, they it was. had a horrific record. And they beat the Packers. It, you know, I mean... <laughs> It was I'm like 41 saying, to 39, too. I mean, it was like right, a yeah, sure. crazy high-scoring game, right? And they had a Reggie White. How do we give up like 40-some points with Reggie White? That's crazy. It, it, well, it was it was one of those those weird those weird things that that happen in the NFL. That happened then. They happen now. Still, that's one of the reasons why I think people love 
the NFL because, on, you know, any given Sunday, the cliche is true that you know, teams can rise up. However, what was different about this is the context. I mean, the Packers have been playing well for the past month, and, you know, they they stepped up. So maybe maybe they're starting to figure things out. Maybe they're deeper than we thought. Malik Heath is a really good example of that. He was second on the team with four receptions, four targets, four receptions. And this guy, you know, just he I I think he had played maybe in a game or two before that. Um, but, you know, he just he, he didn't just step up. I mean, he stepped in like he was a starter. So I'm not sure how you explain some of that stuff. Everyone, you know, the narrative before this game was, you know, Aaron jo- Jones is the straw that stirs the drink. Well, Aaron Jones was not to be found. Well, he was to be found. He was on the sidelines with his sunglasses and things. Uh, but, you know, had, had zero impact on the game on the field unless he was rallying the troops magically, you know, from his position on the sidelines. So I, I'm at a loss other than to say that, you know, um, 11 games into the season, this is a young team that's getting better. They're not making the same mistakes or as many mistakes as they were. They're becoming more assignment sure. Their quarterback, who they count on dr- dramatically, I mean, as, as the NFL has become really a quarterback dependent league, um, you know, he's he's playing better right now. There's I don't think there's any questioning it, but I don't think we should get you know, completely sucked into the fact that, you know, the arrow is going to be pointing up consistently from here on. I don't, I don't think so. I, I think this is going to be erratic, not just for the rest of this season where, you know, some of those cupcakes you talked about, uh, toward the end of the year, I think some of those cupcakes are going to beat the Packers. So I'm going to say yeah. how, the, how the hell can this, how can a team go in, uh, on Thanksgiving on national television and look really good. And then, you know, wind up pissing down their leg against the bears or something like that right. down, down the stretch. I think we're going to see more erratic play. And I think we're going to see that into next year. I mean, they're not a finished product and all of the, I know it's fun. You know, they're, they're in the hunt in the playoffs. You know, you see those graphics and they're five and six and you know, they are X number of games out. And if this goes this way and that, yeah, it's all fun. It's all nice. I'm not saying, you know, people, you know, shouldn't kind of imagine and wonder. I mean, that's great. But this is not what this year is about. This year is about learning and about getting through this erratic stuff and becoming a consistently dependable team and finding out, you know, who's going to be here in the long run. I mean, that's what this season is about. So I think people got to stay in their shoes. Well, I, you know, I, there's no way this team is making the playoffs, right? I just want to say that right now, but, (laughs) but. There you really want to make the playoffs, don't you? When you <laughs> say that, that tells me that you're trying to do everything you can to get them in the postseason. I well, I, well, realistically, I mean, I don't know who this team is, but if the team that played against Detroit shows up for the rest of the year. And I look at who's it from. Minnesota is six and five. Seattle is six and five. I just saw a tweet tonight that said Seattle's got to play Dallas, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. So Seattle's got a tough road and we have kind of an easier schedule. Like you said, we could lose five straight to really bad teams. Chicago could beat us. Um, so, so I am saying two things at once. I do not think this team is going to make the playoffs. There's a chance this team might make the playoffs. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I mean, 
I just, I don't know who this team is. And I need more explanation as to what's happening here. You said one, which is these are young players and they're starting to believe and, or the coaching sinking in whatever. So there's, there's that narrative. I think that's fine. Um, a second, which I think is interesting. Um, actually, I'm going to come back to that. I'll go to my third one first. The third one. Uh, do you remember the original Rocky uh, movie? Yes, I do. Uh, that was that was the classic Rocky, you might say. The, yes, the the more of a love story than a, a boxing. Well, in his first, in, when he finally got a chance to fight Apollo Creed, he he throws a haymaker and knocks Apollo Creed down like the first round. Right, it just like out of the blue, and like everyone's like, "What is happening?" And Apollo <laughs> Creed like shook his head and got up, and then they ended up fighting for 15 rounds. I wonder, you know, if the path of each game is so important. When we threw a bomb to Christian Watson. And we, you know, that, and he caught it like that set the tone for the whole day. Like, you know, that made everyone on the Packers step up and on, on Detroit, like step back. Like it just, and just like, you know, against Minnesota a couple of years ago where he dropped the first pass, like that did the, had the opposite effect that we ended up getting blown up by Minnesota because there was such like a letdown uh, where, you know, if he caught it, maybe it just changed a lot. So maybe it's the, the narrative of, or the, the path of the game. And that was such an important step to say, we're, we're here, you know, he knocked Creed down, you know, and, and to say, I'm not, a, I'm not going to be an easy out here. That's, that's an explanation. My, my third explanation, I want, well, I think it might be interesting to talk about more, you know, is it possible that for the weeks before Aaron Jones got hurt, everything was like, well, Aaron Jones is our best player. We got to give him the ball. We got to get 20 carries you know, it's all about Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. And it just, it actually isn't Aaron Jones, you know, and when he was playing, when he was, you know, rushing the ball, there were, you know, the first game against the bears, he looked great. But since then he's been fine, but man, he gets blown up left and right. And I just wonder maybe, you know, without him playing with him being hurt, then the offense went into this mode of, well, I guess we have to throw the ball and maybe that's a better way to do the offense the offense is on the field longer because they move the ball. They're getting first downs. Love is playing a little bit better. Defense plays better because they're rested. So there's sort of a domino effect and it. Actually in some weird way, it's because Aaron Jones isn't playing. It's like addition from subtraction. Kind of like when Jermichael Finley went down and we ended up going with five wide receivers. And we found that that's the way to do offense with this team right now. You think there's anything to that? I mean, I hate to say Aaron Jones is a, was hurting us, but maybe our best offense is to let Jordan love throw the ball to these young receivers. You know, I, I, I think I agree just about completely with what you're saying. If I understand it uh, right. Well, that's, that's uh, okay, the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, if, if I, if I can take what you said and maybe restate it on the last point. Okay. On, on Aaron Jones, um, maybe it's not wise to buy into the media narrative that, you know, we got to get the ball to Aaron Jones, got to get the ball to Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, the straw that stirs the drink. Aaron Jones is, is great. The Packers are lost without him. Well, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't build an offense that requires a particular player. Now it's hard with a quarterback. You kind of have to, you know, take that into account. I mean, on most teams, that's the case, but people who aren't quarterback, um, those guys get hurt. Uh, those guys get traded. They retire. They uh, various things happen. You should not construct an offense that one player is so very important because when that player is not available, you're lost. And I, it, it seemed to me as though every week, 
Uh, you, you remember the first game, the great play Jones made, and he goes to the end zone, he grabs his leg, and, you know, I mean, I think most right. people have, oh, hamstring, you know. And right. then, of course, he minimizes it after the game. He probably did to his team as well, saying, well, it's just, it was just kind of a bite, is what he said. Yeah, yeah, that that was a bite, all right. And he, you know, missed, you know, several games, and he came back, and he wasn't himself. And it's like every week they're constructing a game plan thinking that they might have Aaron Jones. And if we have Aaron Jones, we, we got to feed him the ball, but not too much because, you know, he's a little fragile. And that I don't think is a way to do that. You have to build an offense that is going to have um, a, a way of proceeding, even if you don't have your main guys, that there are ways that you can pivot. And to me, I think they pivoted this past week by, you know, throwing the ball more. I mean, they had 33 passing attempts, 22 rushing attempts. Three of those were other quarterbacks, really 19 running attempts against, you know, almost almost twice as many or at least 40 percent more uh, passing attempts, 60 percent more passing attempts. And maybe that's it. You know, you got to be more flexible and you can't be trying to construct what you're trying to do around assumptions that are are prone to not happening. And especially with a guy like Aaron Jones, who's had a lot of injuries during his time. Um, so I think flexibility is important. And I, I got to hand it, you know, again, Matt LaFleur was being lit up by a lot of people. Yeah, he's being out coached. He's, yeah, he's not that good. Maybe Rodgers was the great deodorant and sure. all that. Yeah, well, maybe he was. But now all of a sudden, Matt LaFleur is a freaking genius again. And I think he, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for being flexible. I think you have to be flexible because you're not going to have your guys. Guys get hurt so much. Guys age out. You know, performance suffers. It's you, you really can't say that. You know, without this guy, what 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 what, what, what are we going to do now? Uh, no, you can't. You can't be that way. And they weren't this past game. And I think that was a big reason why they were as successful as they were. They accepted reality. You're not going to have this guy, so we're going to figure out a different way, and they did. Well, I think, too, if you say, look, we need – my offense is run-first offense, so there's a lot of – in the games that we played against, you know, the Raiders, Pittsburgh, and some others, it felt like there was a lot of run on first and second down, and we're getting into a lot of third and longs. Um, and meanwhile, you know, we're trying to establish something with an offensive line that's not – very good and run blocking. So mm -hmm. like the whole thing is just confused. It's like, I've got to get Aaron Jones. Cause that's obviously he's great. And we need to give him the ball more, but by doing that, we're sort of in the end of the playbook that doesn't really work for the team as the whole. So, and when he's playing, it just, it, it just muddies the waters, but when he's out, then it's just, okay, now we're just, we're clearly on this part of the playbook. We're going for it. I mean, the thing I appreciate about love, even as maybe more than Rogers is, if the tight end's open and for three yards and let him get six and, and then second and four. So I'd be curious. I don't, I didn't think about this, but you know, I wonder how many third longs we got into a lot of the games where we look bad. It was run second and nine run oh, holding. Now it's second and 19. And you know, that series is done. The defense is coming back in the field. It felt like against Detroit, most of our offensive drives were always moving forward. Like it, really felt we were moving backwards uh, with a lot of penalties. And, um, you know, it's just, a, I remember I saw sort of a montage of a lot of Jordan loves good throws down the field. And uh, there were quite a few of them. And so I, 
I just wonder if we're starting to establish an identity of run first, I'm sorry, pass first, and then with a lead, our defense, which is kind of geared to defend the pass, can now be more effective because now we're going after the quarterback as opposed to having to be disciplined in my lanes, you know, watch, you know, uh, watch run first and then go after the quarterback. So maybe it's just a small thing that can tweak it that way. I, but regardless, I never saw this coming. I didn't think there was a single tweak or a thousand tweaks that would make this team good. But I tell you, Chris, that was a good team that played on Thursday. I, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And, and I, I thinking that that team has always been inside of them, but you know, they're figuring it out. They're learning They're what 27 guys on the team who are either first or second year players. I think that's, I think that's correct. Um, it's a very large number. Okay, regardless of what the the exact number is, it's it's more than half of the team, and you're gonna have, you know, for lack of a better term, you're gonna have these growing pains. You're, yeah. These guys have not played a lot. Even the second year players haven't played a lot, and they're you know finding their way their way through. And I I don't know if this is going to. Um, Last for Jordan Love because there's an arc with quarterbacks. It not just Rodgers, but I think you know all the the quarterbacks that have put together lengthy careers. Um, you know they develop things they like to do and guys they like to throw to. And right now, it yeah, Jordan Love right now will take what the defense gives him. But the more success he has, the longer he plays, there are going to be certain things you know he likes to do. Um, and I. I'm not exactly sure at this point what those things are, but that will develop. And he'll have certain guys that, you know, he likes that are his guys. I mean, maybe Reed is going to be the guy that will emerge and he'll be his guy. And he'll he'll look for that guy all the time. In fact, I know this past week, uh, Reed got the most targets. He got eight targets and Watson got seven. Uh, right now, they're, they're spreading the ball around pretty well. Uh, but as time goes on, there's going to be certain guys he will, quote, trust more than others. And there'll be rookies that come around. They doesn't know them. And he's not going to be as comfortable passing them the ball. I think that's just kind of how this works. The extent to which he doesn't get caught in that trap where, you know, if I don't have Devontae Adams, I mean, what the hell are we, are we going to do here? Well, you know, the Packers did real well without Devontae Adams. They did real well without Sterling Sharp after Sharp got injured and forced Brett Favre to you know, find other guys and, you know, do different things. So I'm, I'm just hoping that this offense is, is not going to, to follow what I hear so many media people say is that, well, they need, they need a veteran. They need a guy that, that they can count on and go to. Well, but the problem is when you count on and go to a guy like that, that guy can get taken away either by the other team scheming, uh, or it could be, uh, because of uh, injury or you know different kinds of things that make that unavailable, so I, I'm I'm just hoping that the Packers will allow themselves to remain you know open and flexible and not get into this trap of you know we have to have certain guys. Hey, hey you know Reed is going to be here. Watson's we know Watson's going to be hurt. I mean they're going to have to pass the ball to other guys, and you can't get into this trap of I've got to have, you know, my guys doing, you know, these kind of certain things and certain plays. No, you got to remain open and flexible. And this game, they were that way. Will the more success they have, will they be able 
to maintain that flexibility. That is going to be a really interesting thing to see going forward. I guess what you're saying, you know, flexible is, you know, like throw it to the open guy. Doesn't matter if it's Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, Reed, some other, or some other guy we haven't heard of, you know. Yeah, right. Just throw it to the open guy, you know. Just yeah. it, I think that was Tom Brady's just genius is that he was just willing to take what was the defense gave and 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 get another set of downs, and I, you know that's sort of what it looked like. Now, Love forced a couple of throws. I thought I don't know what was going on that first touchdown. Um, I remember seeing it live for the first time. He threw it into some scrum. And then Reed falls down, touchdown Packers. I thought that was weird. How who, how did that ball get in there? And then they show the replay. You know, Watson and Reed are crossing each other. Oh man! And somehow yeah. the ball gets in. Like I don't. That was a, somebody was an amazing play. Yeah, yeah, somebody. I mean, that was a small window. Yeah, and I think it was. Uh, I don't think that was what the the way the play was meant to be drawn up. And we're incredibly fortunate. But um, and as another. You know, say that ball gets tipped up and intercepted. I wonder if, you know, we win that game because that would, you know, we started off by getting a touchdown early. That was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think I hope that that's the case, you know, that we can have an offense that's really unpredictable. It feels like we have four wide receivers who are either tied for first or tied for fourth. I can't figure out which. I mean, certainly <laughs> Watson. Watson is different than the others in that he. I mean, when he gets open down the field and you hit him and he catches it, obviously, um, you know, he's open more times than not. Like it's touchdowns, you know, where it feels like Reed and some of the others, it's more like their first downs. Um, so you might have a little bit more with Watson, but I'm glad that they're not trying to force it to Watson. feels like, you know, he's, he's taking the top off the defense once in a while. Well, you know, so you're not really sure what you have to do. I remember when, what was it? The Raiders, I thought, forget who it was that played that sort of figured the Packers offense out is that Jordan Love likes to throw in the middle of the field within 10 yards. And that's where you pack that area. Maybe it was Detroit. The first time we played, like you pack in that area and love is lost. Well, I couldn't tell you, you know, in this last game where exactly he likes to throw the ball. He doesn't like to, he doesn't, isn't very accurate deep still. Right. I mean, he's still struggles with that. Um, but you know he's he's throwing it down the field. At least it's making the defense be honest. And uh, I think it is flexible. And I agree. I hope that that stays that way. Even with the run game, I just hope it's not. We try and force this fifty-fifty. I really think our best bet is kind of a two-thirds pass, one-third run. Um, and uh, even if Jones comes back, I think that's the the offense that we need to play. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. You, you mentioned the running game and the forcing it. And, you know, LaFleur may, in fact, you know, like to run. And that's that's great. You know, God bless you. That's that's wonderful. But if that isn't what works, if that's not where your best players are, if, if that's not how you have the most success, then you can't, you can't do that. And I think, you know, having the threat of the run, you know, and they've got these, you know, end arounds and different things that, that they've been doing um, that are not passes, you know, so I... I guess I, I don't want to call runs and passes, but there are certain things that are not passes. And are they runs? Well, you know, they're they're not runs where you have a power situation where you give the guy the ball and he goes between the tackles or off tackle uh, or a traditional kind of sweep. No, um, just the fact that it's not a pass um, you know, keeps other teams um, on the lookout. So I don't 
think there's any magic in a 50-50 split or, you know, we, we have to be the kind of team that, you know, can, can run the ball down the other team's throat. You know, the, the thing is you need linemen who are going to be able to do both run blocking and pass blocking. And it's kind of rare that you get linemen that are good at both things. And right now I think they have guys who, you know, they drafted more for pass protection. And you have to know, you know, who your team is and what they're good at doing. And if they're good at doing that, well, you know, then you, you have to kind of tilt your scheme and your offense to fit the personnel that you have. And they don't have a lot of, um, you know, kind of the the road graders that Amon Green had when they, now right. those guys were pretty good at yet. Yeah at, at uh, pass blocking too, but this, this line is not, is not that, and it's not going to be for quite some time. I think you need to acknowledge that really, you may like to run the ball, but that may not be the best way to win. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, whatever they had, I'm sure defenses are going to adjust or watch how we played against Detroit. I don't know if it's, you know, I think Kansas city, when we played them, I don't know if it was, was it last year. Um, and I've watched them play as my son-in-law now is a big Chiefs fan. They like to blitz the quarterback. And so it'll be interesting to see if love, if he, you know, if we come out of this game saying he's got to get rid of the ball, you know, he can't hold the ball that long. If you got five, six, seven, you know, guys coming at you, you got to get, got to identify who's, who's got a one-on-one or who's open and get rid of it quickly. Um, maybe that'll be the next step with Jordan love is he doesn't do that very well yet. And then teams are going to capitalize on that. And that's going to be, as you said, you know, this volatile season, that'll be a down point again, because he's got to learn through another phase of people kind of figuring him out. But um, I think it's really interesting right now. I think there's something I would, I would do. And I think there's something the Packers would do, but what do you do with Jordan love now? I mean, do you sign him to a longer contract? Um, I think I know how I would answer it. And I think I know what the Packers are going to do, but what do you think? What would you do right now? Or what do you think that's headed? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it uh, right now uh, because, you know, I kind of was facetious at the beginning about the whiplash because he's been real good. He's been real bad. He's been real good. And uh, until you know that, I think what I heard the market rate right now is, uh, you know, for Jordan Love is around $35 million a year. That's so and, much. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's kind of what the market, you know, gets for a starting, you know, caliber NFL quarterback. And I, I, I'm not ready to go there. I mean, it's really easy after a game like this to get caught up in it, like so many people have. You know, he looked, he looked really good. And I think he had a good game. Lions might also had a bad game, you know. Hmm. And they, you know, uh, their uh, great uh, defense, defensive lineman, the cat from uh, Michigan. Yeah, uh, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know, he was pretty well neutralized this right. time around. Um, you know, by by fifty. I mean, Zach Tom's a, is a good player. Is is a, is a good player, but was that just you know a really hot right tackle playing against the guy maybe who wasn't sharp that particular day, or or have they turned a corner? And until you know these things, I I don't know that you want to get yourself you know too caught up you know in making long term commitments like that, but. The longer they wait, of course. I mean, if if this is a real thing, he's going to be getting forty million a year before too long. So it 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 is a gamble, uh, regardless of what you do with it. I'm I'm just not sure yet which which guy this is, and it's it's too bad that they got to make this decision 
um, as, as quickly as they do. And they may wind up you know, having to wait, and the price may be higher as a result. I'd rather do that, though, uh, you know, than, than make this, this early decision and then regret it because you've got more salary cap uh, problems going on where you've got a guy that is, isn't worth that kind of money, and he's sucking a lot of the salary cap uh, right. dry. But the good news is that his first game as a starter was against Kansas City, and they blitzed the hell out of him like you suggested. And they'll probably do that again uh, this Sunday night coming up, uh, which is to be expected because I don't know that Jordan Lums faced a lot of, you know, heavy blitzing to, to this point. I mean, there has I can't been some. recall. Yeah. 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 And now this will be a chance for everybody in the league to see how he handles that. And it'll be also a chance for the Packers to see how he handles that. And, they have a measuring stick. You know, they remember when he started for Rodgers, when Rodgers was out on, I think that was the COVID, right? It was his COVID game that yeah, Rodgers yeah. missed. Yeah. Right. Um, even though he had been immunized, uh, <laughs> right, right. He, he wasn't able to play. So um, Love played and, you know, predict- predictably he wasn't that good. Well, now they'll be able to see how far he's come um, against the same team with the same kind of philosophy to see if he's improved. Now, Perhaps this is maybe the last hurdle. If he looks like a guy that can handle aggressive blitzing, you know, then maybe then maybe you move that timeline up. But right now, I I don't know that right now. I I'm I'm not I'm not ready. I was I was ready on the Rogers deal um, in 2008. I think it was halfway through the season or two thirds of the way through the season that they made a move and they and they they signed him. I'm not. And I thought that was the right move at the time. That that seemed right. I I know the stats between Rodgers and Love are very similar through their first uh, eleven starts. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, I see it all the time. I see it compared to Rodgers' first year, uh, Mahomes this year. Like I'm seeing all these comparisons that are favorable. Yeah. And uh, I, I I mean stats must lie. <laughs> it's, well, it's it, you know when you're comparing things over time, it's it's hard to say. And I can't remember the 2008 schedule, who they played, and you know maybe those were better teams, and so the same number performance is actually better. The rules were a little different then too. I mean, there's a, a lot of variables to take into account. So yeah, it's it's fun to see. Well, they both had 2,599 yards through their first 11 starts and 21 touchdowns. I would think that uh, probably Love has more interceptions at this point than Rodgers did. There's just just a lot of things to take into consideration. But if he passes this hurdle, uh, they're going to come in as uh, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. And, you know, even if they don't win— but it's competitive and they, you know, beat the spread and they don't get embarrassed by the blitz and all that stuff. Well, then, you know, maybe, you know, then maybe that discussion that, you know, becomes more viable at that point. I just I just think you need more more data points before you make a big commitment like that. Well, I just it's such a tough spot because I could see a situation where Jordan Love is plays fine. Yeah, it's good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Let's say we've sneaked in the playoffs. We just miss it. And then all of a sudden, okay, you got to make a decision. I guess he's still in a contract next year. So you didn't have to make a decision. You could go another year, right. And, and have him play under a one-year deal. I, I think no one does that. I'm sure everyone would you know go crazy over that. 
but um, maybe you let the you know 2024 season start and see how that goes and maybe do something then. But you know there is a chance you, you say we win a couple more games. You say well he's our guy, our GM is the guy that drafted him. So you know this is he probably wants to see this work right. out because yeah, it's right. his decision. So they're going to be biased. validation for him. Yeah, absolutely. So they're going to want to sign him. So they're just looking for that validation. Um, and and then you you got him with a big contract and he he dig, dig, digresses and it's not very good and we've got this contract. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, is someone coming up that would you know you'd have to throw in there early? He would have growing pains just like Love would have. But you got four or five years of a rookie contract. Like if he's not meaningfully better than a guy you could get in say the first second round of this year's draft, and is it worth it putting a lot of money in love versus, you know, having the rookie contract where you can, you know, if you hit right there, you, you really, you give yourself a lot of room, especially with, you know, the contracts um, that we're still eating. I think it's a really tough decision and, you know, getting this right is, you know, the next five years for the Packers, I think. Um, Cause you don't want to be sitting here three years and now thinking ah, the Jordan love contract and he's, he's out of the league. I, I think, you know, the way he played Thursday, I would think, no, he's a legit quarterback. But when I think of the season, I think Jordan Love might, could easily be out of the league in two or three years. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's either way. It's just, it's, it's kind of a real mess because you, I wish they could have more time to evaluate. Um, and maybe that's what you do. You don't sign him this year. You actually don't sign him next year, which I think they're going to feel a lot of pressure not to do that. But let's say you do that. Then I guess you do maybe have, next year or part of next year to say, yeah, yeah, he's, he's the guy let's go. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be able to tell that for the rest of the season still, you know, the kind of the other part of it too, is I, I think he signed through next year. So let's say they, they don't sign him this year or even in the off season and it comes out of the gate and he looks strong, right? You know, first four or five games, um, he looks like he has the past, you know, four games, uh, this season. Well, they might say, Hey, thanks for the contract offer, but I think we're going to test the market when the season's done. You know? Yeah. Right. Nothing personal, but we think, you know, we want to see what's out there. I Good. mean, that's another, that's another risk that you take. It, it's not just the Packers deciding that they want to sign them. It's, you know, whether or not love and his people think that, well, you know, maybe there's a better deal out there. You know, all we got to do is show up and play well and, and, you know, hell, I, I could go maybe to a better team and make significantly more money for somebody that that wants me. You know, so that there's yeah. a lot of there's a, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk in not signing him. I just I just don't feel comfortable right now, uh, given how volatile things have been. I just don't feel comfortable, you know, making a longer term commitment to this guy right now. I, I don't either. I think that's all we have as far as we have to take it. Right. It, there's. Uh, if they sign him to a long-term deal tomorrow, I'll feel like they, they were in a bad position. They were biased and they jumped too soon. And I'll feel like, even if it works out, I'll feel like it probably was not the right decision given the information he had. Right. But I think it's right. possible they could do that. Now two other people I think is had a decent games are Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry. I, yeah. I'll start, Joe, I'll start with, Joe Barry. <laughs> let's, let's start with the floor. Yeah. Uh, if we will. I, LaFleur called two calls in the game that I thought that's what I want my head coach to be. I want, I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator, or if that was him, that's like, I want 
plays that are on the field. That's like, what a great call that was like. And even if it doesn't work all the time, I, I think a great play is that it normally works more than it doesn't. But I thought there were two. I thought the, the, the run to that Jordan love had, I think that was a third and short or fourth and short. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like the read option. He kept the ball. It was the bootleg. Yeah. On the, yeah. On the edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. thought it was great call. It was like, it's it, exactly the opposite of what our tendencies are and Detroit just completely fell for it. And he's running, you know, 20, 30, some yards, you know, down the field, because it's like, you're, you're one step ahead of the other team. Like you, they think they're going to do this. You do the opposite. And the other is the touchdown to Tucker craft. I thought, you know, nice. I'm thinking the whole time you're going to run the ball to AJ Dillon. Is the line going to make it? They, well, it's a play action. Tucker craft is wide open and man, I love the plays where tight ends and running backs engage in a block, shed the block and then run down the field and, you know, wide open. I love those plays. I feel like that, those intermediate shots, especially against Kansas city. I'd love to see lots of that as they're blitzing. You get a tight end engage, turn around, catch a ball two or three yards. And then he's got open field all the way down. But I thought those were two calls where I thought, where has that Matt LaFleur been all season? I can't recall really any other offensive plays that I thought were just like, that's a great call. What a great design. I'm sure they're, they're there. I just, you know, those were two that just really stood out. How did you, you know, feel about the floor? You're, you're, um, you're a boss at a place where you work. And I was a boss for a long time where I worked and I'm a boss. All right. That's, that's well, yeah, you are, you are, you are the, boss. I, by the way, you know, I love prove it all night boss. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but here's the thing though, you've got young people on your team and it's like, well, you know, we're you know not going to give that to you know, you know Bobby or or Billy or whoever else because you know they're this is only their second year with us, whatever. Well, thing is, you're never going to know what they can do unless you give them a chance to do it and give them a chance to fail. Um, you know, and don't, not not fire them when they fail, but you know, give them a chance to to learn and to grow. And I think that the play you're talking about with Tucker Kraft is a good example. I mean, he wasn't. Um, you know, the starter, because uh, he had to be this time because Musgrave is, you know, there is, is their guy. Um, but they, you know, they gave the ball to him. They uh, play to him at that time to show what he can do, what he's capable of doing. I think coaching, a lot of it is, you know, bringing guys along and then giving them a chance to show what they've learned and if they're ready for it. And if they're not, then, you know, maybe you go back to the drawing board and you give them some easier stuff. But at some point, you got to see what you have. And that's, to me, what this season's all about, is figuring out, you know, if these guys can do what you want them to do, if, you know, what, what their capabilities are. Should you keep them around on this team or not? And that's where the coach has to have the guts to say, well, you know, I, I know he's new in the league. I know he's a rookie, but you know, we're, we're going to find out if he's ready to play. And I, and I'm glad that they were taking some of these chances. I mean, that's another reason why all these people, Jason Wilde in particular, well, you know, you, you need a veteran in that locker room to show people, you know, how this is done. Well, the thing is when you got that veteran in the locker room, you're not giving the opportunities to these young people. And so I'm wondering if they have, you know, Mercedes Lewis, um, you know, who people seem to want to, you know, have big dog around. I understand he's a great guy. Good guy blocks. Great. But 
I don't think you need that right now as much as you need to see can Tucker Craft block? Can he can can he can he run that play and get in the end zone? I, I was real surprised both last week and this week's game. The fact that you know he moves a lot better than I thought. Yeah. Uh, I I I think I underestimated him. But, you know, he's third-round draft choice. He probably should be good, but he's been diminished by Musgrave. Well, Musgrave's not around, and they give Kraft a chance. You know, he had a couple of catches. He had a, he had a touchdown. You know, that's that's what you have to do. So I give LeFleur, the coach, you know, some credit for seeing what these guys can do, taking a risk, because it makes him look bad when it doesn't work out. So he took a risk himself. So I, you know, I, I like... Um, I like what Lafleur is doing philosophically. Um, I know he's not thrilled not to have a lot of veterans, but I think now he's beginning to see some of the benefits of not having those veterans around. So, I, yeah, I I'm encouraged uh, by what they did and how they did it, and I give Lafleur a lot of credit because he was taking a lot of crap when things weren't going well. Well, now that the you know the worm's kind of turned, you got to give him credit for how it's going. I think you do too. And I, you know, the coach needs to do a few things. Like you said, he needs to develop players, you know, have a system that's organized that you don't have, you know, 12 men on the field and, you know, you have to call timeouts because people are, you need to be organized. You need to develop your players, but I also want, you know, a coach that can adjust. So that's more of the broad planning week to week kind of stuff. You need to be able to organize a very complicated organization of building up, you know, the team and getting ready and showing up and, and being able to win. But um, I also think there's a very near-term skill that you need to have as a coach, and that is adjusting, you know, in the game, not necessarily week to week, although I think that's important too, but I want to see some adjustments in the game. And I just, I don't want to see a coach that says, look, it's third and one. We should be able to block and get one yard. And I don't care that we have no, you know, running back, we're our second string running back. Uh, and our offensive line is poor. We like we should just do that on principle. Well, that's that's no that you can't do that. That's the other team is trying to stop it. They're maybe very good at stopping the run. So you need to be able to have plays to help your offense out. And if they would have given you know the ball to AJ Dillon a few times, just at third and one and fourth and one, and it, yeah, you could say, look, it's about execution. You know, the players need to block. He needs to block. Joey Myers needs to stay with this guy. Blah blah blah. Well, sometimes, no, you have to say, this is who I have. I need to help them out. You know, I'm going to do a bootleg with Jordan Love. I'm going to do, a, you know, I'm going to fake to Dylan. I'm throwing a Tucko Craft. Help your team out. because And I, I felt I finally saw that from him. And the adjustment of the game plan, I just felt the whole, the whole team, the whole approach just seemed different. I thought, you know, as much as I've been kind of negative on the floor, and I at points thought, yeah, you know, he's not going to be the guy to take them to the next level. Um, I, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for this game. Well, the other thing, if you recall, um, man, was it, well, maybe it was about a month ago, uh, where word came out that they were doing things in practice that you would do during training camp, during preseason, these competitive sessions, uh, during practice where you, you know, get the ones going against ones and you're, you're not just slogging through your in-season stuff with the scout teams and all that kind of stuff. But they they were, you know, going um, number one offense, number one defense, and doing competitive stuff uh, in practice. And I thought about that a little bit. And, you know, I mean, my, 
I, you know, I, I coach, you know, for a dozen years, but it was, you know, it was kids. And one of the things I tried doing with the middle school basketball team a long time ago was, you know, I thought the team was a little bit soft. And so, you know, we went to practice sessions um, where we had, you know, competitive drills. Uh, you know, people know anything about basketball. There's a drill with a three on three on three drill uh, where you're playing three on three. And, you know, if you make it, the other three sub in, you know, on, on the fly, and you keep score. And there's, you know, winners and losers. And, you know, the winners get a bag of chips and losers got to, you know, run lines, you know. <laughs> and um, I got to say that, you know, the team played a lot better uh, in, in the actual games themselves when they got used to, you know, competitive practices where it wasn't just working on skills and drills. It was the idea of implementing those in a competitive environment. And I heard that they did. I don't know if they're still doing that or not in Green Bay. But I heard that I kind of flashed back to, you know, 20 years ago when my youngest one was, you know, playing, playing uh, middle, in middle school basketball. And I thought, you know, these are just big kids in lots of ways. And it's very similar in that uh, Packers have a lot of inexperienced players. Yeah, they were great in high school. They were great in college, but they're inexperienced at the professional level. And so that, I don't know whose idea that was. I, I don't know if one of the, you know, the older, more seasoned coaches, you know, talked to LaFleur, whatever it was, the head coach decided to go ahead and do that. And it seems like ever since that time, they've been just a better team on the field as a result. And that's a little tweak. It's an innovation, but that's something that the head coach, regardless of it was his idea or not, went ahead and did that. And there's been results since then. Now, maybe that's not the reason why. I mean, it's, it, there's probably a lot of other variables involved, but I give that, you know, that tweak, which is outside of NFL orthodoxy. That's not what you do during the regular season. It's very programmed. On the Monday after a game, you come in, you watch film, they get Tuesdays off. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are the real practices. Friday very often is a, you know, it's a lighter practice. And, you know, they, they, they have a, a very kind of, you know, set rhythm to what they do. And he disrupted that. And I, I got to say, you know, maybe it was out of a bit of desperation because it was coming off of that bad uh, stretch of games four through seven. But they changed things up in response to that. And it seems to have worked. Uh, points, points to the coach. Yeah, I, you know, having a team, well, he was handed the youngest team by far. And if he can show an upward trajectory of the season, clearly you can see they're getting better or confidence. You know, you're seeing it through the wins, but even if not wins, but, you know, you're just seeing, you know, execution, you know, fewer penalties. Um, just, you know, I think, you know, it when you see it, um, I think that would say a lot for the floor. I mean, he's, he's got a little bit to prove. I mean, he's won a lot, you know, with Rogers and he's always going to have that Rogers, you know, kind of weight around his neck. But, you know, this year, if he can show improvement, then, you know, then I think certainly having LaFleur stick around. I mean, I, I this is a real 180 for me. I was really thinking just kind of tank the whole thing, Gutekinds and Murphy, and just get rid of the whole bunch and start over um, because they really screwed things up, you know, they with Rodgers and the exit and everything like that. Um, I mean, this game was just a real eye-opener for me. Um, so I, I, I feel good about it for now. I think you're right that, the volatility is going to continue. This could be a complete wipeout against Kansas City, where we have like 50 injuries, and you know this is really going to set us up for 
a poor game, but man, I'd love it if we were really competitive against Kansas city, win or lose, and then go into the last, what, five games. Um, how many games we have left? It's, yeah, it's maybe, maybe, 12. Maybe yeah, so six games left and the last five are theoretically winnable. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think you got to say a lot for LaFleur. And by the way, what happened with him and the security guy? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, didn't the security guy right that's a head coach? Right, he's well, running across. It wasn't like some guy coming out of the stands and running, you know, yeah, the locker right. room. <laughs> well, and then Fox covered it with and explained it, you know, with zero explanation. They just showed it like, look what happened here. And then then go away from it, like, was that a security guard's fault? Was the security guard being kind of spicy? Like, why did they mix it up? Did they just accidentally run into each other and the floor got upset? Like, I I have no idea what happened. I didn't. I didn't actually look it up or read and, and see, but um, yeah, it was the craziest thing. Why, why would he's the head coach? Um, why, why would you get in his way? Um, I, I don't know if you, did you hear anything more about that? No. Well, I, I saw there was an article. I didn't read it because I just thought it was, it was one of those things where this security guy is probably a rent a cop or something that they, that, that they got from, you know, security is us or whatever the hell on the white pages of the phone book. I don't know. So they got this guy and he, you know, probably was looking for threats. I mean, that that's what they do. Is that right? what he you did? Know? He saw someone running like, hey, slow down, buddy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's he, just like, oh, they just sort of collided on accident. Well, I think both. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I I don't think he realized that was the Packers head coach or was anybody associated with the team. And he maybe wasn't even looking at LaFleur Camina. He might have been looking again, you know. Their job is to assess threats, and it's halftime, and is anybody coming on the field here? Is anything going on? Who knows? And all of a sudden, he probably saw out of the corner of his eye this guy, you know, what's this about? Because LaFleur was really moving. I mean, he he looked uh, he looked like a guy who, you know, was in pretty good shape there. So uh, he's coming pretty hard, and I just think it was a, one of those wacky mix-ups, Dave. It was a, I guess the stuff, so, yeah. The stuff of great situation comedies, you know. It would be so, great if they, like, just all out, like, had it right there, just all out brawl. You know, they just, just started, like, running through tumble. Down. Oh, yeah. yeah, one's in a headlock for no reason. <laughs> well, you know, it looked like LaFleur was geeked up enough that he he, he probably would have thrown down with the guy, you know. Well, that would be a great way to make yourself a legend in Green Bay. If he would have, like, gone back after the guy, oh, he would have loved that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, well, there's a there's a couple other things I wanted to, to touch on before we're, yeah. we're done here. Um, the The play on the fake punt. I thought that may have been the key play of the game. Well, um, I love the fact that we were ready for it, right? That's, that's that. Yeah. And Basaccia gets a lot of credit for that. I mean, they've been a little dicey, missed another extra point. Uh, I know that he wasn't out there kicking it, but, you know, his special teams have not been flawless. But that was a huge play, and if they convert that, it's not just that they get the ball on the first down, but it would have been demoralizing because the defense yeah. was was playing well. So props to Basaccia for having his unit ready. I agree. I think, well, even our good teams, I feel like, have fallen to fake punts. It feels like okay. they're always against Seattle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it, you know, I felt like we were ready, and we executed, and, and it turned out like, what a dumb idea for Detroit, and it's like, well, you know, uh, a, a young Packers team. I mean, it's a, not a bad call against the Packers. Like you can right, see, right, yeah. juiced up. We want to get a return. You know, we sort of forget our responsibilities, but somehow they they were keyed in on it and uh, it went nowhere. And I 
I did. I thought that was that was excellent. I thought that was another sign of like a team that's got it together that yep. they just don't th- let that you know, let that just go uh, unchecked. And so I thought that was an excellent uh, move by them. I mean, that's a good call by you to point that out. At the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, they 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 were solid and playing with the defensive backfield that they were. You know that that was Valentine all the more and Valentine. Yeah. Who would have, yeah, crazy, right? I I was very um very pleased with the defensive um effort that they showed. Um especially that defensive backfield. Uh, somehow, you know, Mr. Simone Biles, um, when he plays uh close to the line, the guy's a force. The guy's the guy's good. And you know, I I know he's a, he's kind of, kind of a veteran. He's you know he started what sixteen games last year for Houston. He had the presence of mind, you know, to play that ball like it was live on the fumble because right. you know in real time I, that looked like it might have been an incomplete pass, but he played it out like it might have been a fumble, and maybe that's good coaching. Maybe that's just good, you know, internalized effort by Jonathan Owens to stay with that ball, to pick it up. And that, you know, was a um, a pivotal moment in the game because we've talked about for years in this podcast, when a team scores a defensive touchdown, their chances of winning like 80 percent. Right. And so that was an absolutely huge play. And I'm glad uh, props to the referees because nobody whistled it dead. You know, go, oh, I thought it was an incomplete pass. Right, right. Packers get the ball, but they get it right. No, that was really well done on everyone's part. And, you know, the Joe Barry, I made it clear I'm not a fan, uh, but he had that group ready to play. And a group of guys that not their A-teamers up and down the line there. They were without a lot of their best players on defense. And yet, you know, they stood up really well against a good offense and against a quarterback having a good year, a quarterback who's led a team to a Super Bowl already. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an, an inconsiderable task. I mean, they weren't playing against some of the, some of the stiffs like, you know, Mark Rippon's nephew that they played a few weeks ago before he got shit canned, you know? So got to give some credit to Joe Barry here too. I guess so. I mean, (laughs) our starting backfield was Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford, right? That's our, That's right. all yep. four of those guys are not playing. You've got yep. Valentine, Valentine, uh, Anthony Johnson Jr., who is also yep. a rookie who, uh, was right. he undrafted yep. or was he in like? No, he, I believe he, he was drafted, I want to say sixth round. I was going to say deep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not a high draft pick. Yeah. And then uh, Johnson Ford. And I got to tell you, if if the the four that played on Thursday were the original four that I would think, yeah, that's what I expect. That's that we have got good backfield. I think we thought our backfield was a strength at the beginning of the season and none of them played. And I thought they played fantastic. I thought, you know, it was even, there was no big, you know, gashing deep balls that were completed, you know, on a regular basis. I felt like there weren't a lot of missed tackles that there were a number of times when it's like a five yard catch, but he was tackled immediately. I thought Jonathan Ford had a really good, Good game with that. But, you know, that we don't talk much about Anthony Johnson Jr. I think that's his name, right? Is he? Right, yes. Seventh-round draft choice out of Iowa State. And he looks really strong to me. I mean, I, I'm sure he's someone that could get picked on by a good coach. Andy Reid could eat his lunch on Sunday. Who knows? It's, 
It's possible. And looking at Andy Reid, you know, he's eating a lot of people's lunches. He has eaten a lot of lunches. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he might just eat Anthony Johnson Jr. as well. Just yeah, eat him up. That's right. <laughs> Swallow the whole the whole bunch. But I mean, at least you saw it when he's good that he, uh, this is how good he looks. And so he may have a, a downside that's still pretty low. But I mean, that's pretty exciting. That another young guy that's, you know, showing some promise that I may hate in three weeks from now. But right now, I, I feel is really good. You know, and we're out with, uh, we're just playing with McDuffie, you know, so we're, we're down a, a linebacker and Quay Walker, I think is still making a lot of mistakes. You know, he, yeah. he, he is a definition of a volatile player. Like his yeah. upside yeah. looks really good. And his downside's really bad. In fact, I was listening to Andy Herman do his grades. Oh, and, I listened uh, to that too. Yeah. He, he graded, I think Walker as a negative. Yes. He um, did. Yeah. So I don't know if he was the top negative, but he was one of the negatives. And I thought, yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice that, but uh, I'm not surprised. I've seen him a lot of, you know, him taking himself out of plays because he overcommits someplace yep. and doesn't show, show discipline at this point. But um, goodness, I, I thought the defense played really well. I think Detroit's offense is, is pretty good. Um, Rashawn Gary played a, a whale of a game. I mean, that guy makes a huge difference, but I thought the whole defensive line just put, did I see something like 20 some pressures on Goth or it was some really high number. I don't, maybe that sounds too high, but I, I thought I saw something that said like it was like an extremely high number of pressures on, on golf. I, and I think it, it's the complimentary football. You know, if we can score touchdowns and then they have to pass more than just sort of just rely on the run against us. Then I think that brings out our pass rushers. That's where Gary can shine. I, I thought they played really well. And I guess you got to give some credit to Barry too. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, Rashawn Gary, I think probably was a game wrecker. I mean, that that's, you know, in the way that, you know, Hutchinson was in the first game and uh, Max, uh, what's his face from uh, Las Vegas kind of ruined that game for the Packers. I think Rashawn Gary was kind of that guy uh, for the Packers this time around. And, you know, like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not a Joe Barry fan. I don't like his background. There's been too many weird things. I just hate that, you know, that 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 four man front with the two guys in the middle down. I just I think that's wrong and bad. But you know, what do they give up? You know, I mean, they, you know, they gave up, uh, I guess, 14 points them plus a garbage time uh, touchdown. And so, give him his props. And the other guy I get props to is is Goody. I mean, we're talking about um, Anthony. Anthony Christopher Johnson Jr. is actually his name is seventh round draft choice. Well, the guy has been forced to play and he's played pretty well. Uh, you know, Carrington Valentine sounds like an aristocrat of some kind, but okay. So Carrington Valentine plays he, also a late round draft choice and doing well. There's a lot of young players on this team that are suddenly playing pretty well and they've been drafted in the past couple of years. And that's Goody's area. Right? Goody, you know, I mean, that's another guy that, was a winner in in this game. Yeah, yeah, they all Barry and Lafleur and Goodikins, they Murphy, they should have all got in a room and just you know high fived each other for an hour <laughs> and just like huge size relief. I mean, this game I think really helps. I think the outlook for this team. I I I think they could lose to Kansas City. I thought they were going to lose to Detroit. I thought they'd have a prayer against San Diego. San Diego, the Chargers. I should just say, um, but. I don't know now, like, you know, it's, you know, something about youth is that when you get confidence, they may not know better, but to, no, they, that well, they should lose against Kansas what, City, right? 
that's what Tom Silverstein said. And I, I, that's a cliche. I hear it all. That I, oh, they're just too young. They just don't know what they don't know. Come on. But you they know, can, I mean, there's something to confidence drive. You know, you talk about emotion defense is based on emotion. Right. Um, and I think you can, uh, you know, I think there could be a youth where like, we're awesome. And whereas you get older, you go like, you know, dial it back just a few. Like I've been here before and you get your, you know, your, you find out you, you get some humility uh, over time, but I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying. That it is a cliche, but it's, it's possible that these guys could get confidence and play better than say early on when they, when they were sort of lost and, and had a losing record. I guess they still have a losing record. I, there could be something to that, Chris. I don't know if I completely discount that. Well, yeah, but then when I heard that said, in fact, every time I, I hear it say it, it's like, well, then I guess as soon as they become veterans, you want to get rid of them because you probably yeah. want guys that don't know what they're up against, right? You know? Well, that's what Gudikins thinks, right? <laughs> well, well, and so far, you know, it it seems like it's turning around. But, but this is, I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning of this, because I know we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but um, it's a volatile situation, and they might look terrible on Sunday night against against Kansas City, or they may look fine for a couple weeks, and then they they could, you know, all these games early in the year, we thought that they should win or be competitive. Well, you know, you really don't know. Denver's look pretty good, you know, and we didn't know that at the time. Right. And so, you know, maybe... You turn their season around. Well, I, maybe, Look, you know. Pittsburgh beat Cleveland today. I, like, yeah. I think Pittsburgh's had a pretty good record, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, and Cleveland's got, I think they got the best defense in the NFL. So the 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 thing is that it is a week-to-week league, and it doesn't matter who you play. It's when you play them. All those are cliches that are true, I think, in this particular instance. So I... I'm encouraged by what I saw. It sounds like you are too. I mean, how could you not be? But yeah. I don't want to read too much and then extrapolate that forward that, well, yep, they got it figured out. They're turning the corner and they're a playoff contender. Um, I think that's way, way at this point with this team and the way it's composed, I think that's 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 out of bounds. I don't care, you know, if their last five games are against UW Stevens Point, uh, Madison West. You know, I don't care. You know, against the Badgers girls volleyball team. You know, I. Oh, no, that'd be tough. Yeah, well, tough. they that one. I would. I think that the the volleyball team is probably favored in that yeah, one. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but the point is, I don't care who they're playing coming up. Uh, this is a team that has proven that they can be good, they can be great on occasion. But we don't know for week to week what that's going to look like. Yeah. So I, that's why I don't want to be a wet blanket here necessarily. Um, but this is a work in progress. And I, I think as as Packer fans, we should be glad that our Thanksgiving was good and that they played well and that guys we didn't know last year have stepped up and they're doing good. And this is kind of exciting, you know, as this happens. Yeah. Looking forward to the game because I said that I'm going to. Yeah. And now well, I that, feel well, that's like that's right. That's right. You're bringing your son-in-law, who's the Chiefs fan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and his father. And I was just going to be like, I'm here to bring you to a game so you can enjoy beating up on my team. I'm walking into it now, thinking like, I don't know, maybe we got a chance. Like, you know, I'm, it makes the game a lot more enjoyable. Honestly, I I guess I'm, I I 
I'm kind of doing a 180 on my, I wish we get a low draft or a really high draft <laughs> um, because, you know, I really would like to go into this game. I mean, if we could be competitive, uh, that would be, that would make the whole experience that much better. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm really shaken to my core after this game. I just did not see any of this coming. I've gone from, I think they are awful and get rid of everybody. I think that's the best thing to do at this point to, I'm not sure. I, I, I think I'm not going to go all the way to the other side of saying we're, we're going to make the playoffs. Like we're, we've got a foundation to be great in two or three years. I don't know. I, I feel like it's, it's an unknown, but that's better than despair that I had. Right. Exactly. Ago. Yeah. No. I mean, and, and that's being a fan. It's all about hope, you know, and, yep. and, and this, and this game should give us hope, but we have to remember that they are still the same players for the most part who played games four through seven and they looked terrible and it was depressing and it was really hard to watch. And that was just a month ago. So we will end, I guess, where we started out that this has been back and forth. It's been, it's been whiplash. It, 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 it has been that. I think we would be remiss though, before we wrap it up today, if we didn't thank uh, a couple of people um, who stepped up and uh, went to PayPal uh, Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com at PayPal. And Tom Freeman um, was kind enough. Uh, I bet he had to talk to Judy about this. And they <laughs> and they, they just came back. They were on uh, a cruise. Uh, Tom, unfortunately, uh, came down with some COVID, which is, you know, the story you hear frequently with people that go on cruises. I Another guy that I know came back with RSV, you know, I mean, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know what Tom and Judy were doing, but you know, you really shouldn't be snorting off of those railings. Tom. <laughs> yeah, it right. just isn't, it just isn't the way to go, buddy. So anyway, uh, Tom, uh, after caucusing with Judy, uh, stepped up, uh, nice contribution. We appreciate it very much, Tom, via PayPal and also our benevolent overlords, Alan CD, uh, they must've caucused as well, or maybe they, maybe they got together with Tom and Judy and, um, uh, the people that, you know, host this podcast gave us, gave us some money. I mean, they went to PayPal, uh, Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com. And um, thanks, fellas. We won't be retiring on that. But I tell you, it's going to make the holiday a little more merry. So thank you, Alan CD, uh, for doing that. We very much appreciate that. Now, looking ahead, um, when we do our podcast later on in this week, and again, we hope it'll be posted by Thursday, uh, we did a taste test of the Aaron Nagler beer, uh, Carry the G. Uh, Dave and I were able to get it. Um, I don't know if you got it when you were in Wisconsin, uh, Dave. Uh, yep. Um, but they are selling it locally in central Wisconsin. I went out and got a, a four-pack. And uh, we, will, we will have a taste test and a review of that, as well as the betting lines as well as pop culture. And we'll also read a couple of emails from iChuck and also Scott Nyer uh, sent us email. And we'll talk about those things uh, when we have part two um, of uh, Packers therapy, which will include the betting line. So I will let you, I'm sorry, Dave. I was yeah, going to let you. Um, uh, I should have, have known you to let here. me. I was going to say, do you want to mention, I think there's the, the book 
uh, Run to Win. Was it? Uh, is oh, the, I think that special is ending at the end of November. So I thought oh, we should mention that. The Jerry Kramer book, Run yes. to Win. Of course, we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. I think we got carried away in some way. And I want to say, <laughs> probably should have looked up Triumph Books, I believe. You go there, you order the Jerry Kramer book, you get 25% off if you put down Packers Talk or Packers Stock. Either way. Um, as uh, you know, being the place you heard about this, if you're a Packers fan and you don't know a lot about Jerry Kramer, this would be an excellent opportunity. Uh, Jerry Kramer, of course, a Hall of Famer, one of the great Packers of all time. Um, he's in his 80s now, but he still gets interviewed from time to time, still you know, got his wits about him. And I would recommend, um, besides buying this particular book, Run to Win um, on Triumph, um, if anybody has read the book, um, instant replay and its sequel distant replay. Uh, those are written by Jerry Kramer with, uh, a ghostwriter and I, maybe Dick Shap, I, maybe it was, hmm. uh, that, that, that wrote uh, with him, but instant replay is about the 1967 season. And Jerry Kramer kept a, I think it was an audio diary and they wrote it up as a book later on. And it wound up being the Packers, you know, uh, championship season, 1967. That was their third NFL championship in a row. It is a great book and distant replay as well, which was the sequel that 20 years later, maybe it was done something like that. Um, but both great books, heck it's the holiday season. Get all three instant replay, distant replay and run to win all Jerry Kramer books. And you get a little discount, too, if you mention uh, Packers Talk. So that's what we got for you. Any, anything else, Dave, though, before you uh, have to shuffle off and I need to go to the land of Nod? Uh, I think that's that's it. I, I uh, let's We're ending on a happy note, I, and I'm looking forward to doing the betting lines. Hope people will tune back in. We just had a little bit of a travel snafu being in Wisconsin for me, and I've got some business travel this week, so we'll work it out. So hopefully you're flexible with us. Yeah, and we will we, we will come back. It'll it'll be wacky and zany. It'll it'll be complete degeneration for you people. You forty five, the strong, the strong four dozen that uh, that 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 play the betting lines. So you all turn back, and we'll also have uh, that that review of uh, Carrie the G, and also some pop culture because we believe we got a pop culture recommendation from iChuck uh, that we will pass along at that time too. So until later on in the week, I'm Chris, and I'm Dave. And that is Packers Therapy. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Therapy.